Hello and welcome to A Couple of Goons. Uh, I am Walt Hickey. I am one of the two goons. And uh, my man, the second in command, my co-pilot, best sports writer in the world, 10 out of 10, Neil Payne. Hey, Walt. How's it going, man? It's good. How about yourself? It's been, I'm depressed as hell. I was like, as I, I, we have the, the, the like song on the soundboard here. And one of these, I don't know when we played it was a, a karaoke version of candle in the wind. I was thinking of starting <laughs> with that because this, this playoff series was not a very good time for, for Rangers aficionado, Walter Hickey. <laughs> yeah. Well, it started well and then, uh, didn't, started didn't very well. <laughs> it didn't go well. And then it seemed like it might go well and then ended really, really poorly. Yes, I think that that's a really good summation of of the experience. I think that's how it looked exactly from my angle. At like, oh, this is going great. And then it was not going great. And then it was going rather bad. And then it ended very badly. So, yeah, no, you've n- not great. <laughs> but I have to take back my um, I, I thought I, I was feeling pretty smug. Like, OK, I nailed this when I was like, OK, the devils there's this research that i did about them being too young to make this leap so you know between that and the rangers being the veteran team well you know the the devils will probably lose here but then gosh darn it they might win the cup next year i was feeling smart about that for a, a few games and then you know so i had that vested I don't have like a vested interest in like a team aside from the Leafs who uh, I uh, love because I picked them in preseason and I was I was forced to right because you took Carolina and yeah. I wasn't allowed to double up on that so <laughs> I was I was forced under duress to take the Leafs uh, but aside from that rooting interest I don't really root for the teams as much as I root for uh, the stories and especially my predictions being right so I feel bad about that devil series, but only just specifically how it pertains to how, how it made my uh, prediction on the show. A few episodes ago. Look (laughs) how it makes you look like vaguely silly on one passing remark. (laughs) Correct. Yeah. Which is, uh, as you know, as someone in this, uh, you know, media world uh, is vitally, you know, it's just everything. That means everything. It is the only thing that matters. I would, I would would sacrifice anything to be like, plausibly yeah. right more importantly not even right i don't give a shit about being right i care about not being wrong on a plausible <laughs> offhand remark made on a podcast two weeks ago i, I would i would do anything <laughs> i and for the for the listeners out there you might think that we're joking about this we're deadly no. serious about this <laughs> De- i like i remember i've written posts back at like five thirty eight in the old times where it was just like very like one-off like from the hip like even about sports like i think i wrote a thing about the fucking like like uh, like the NCAA tournament. And I was like, everything I say in this has to be right. And I'll be so mad if it's not. Like, I don't give a damn it's, about that. I know it's that's yeah. that's that's this life that we, for whatever reason, have chosen for ourselves. But also you did have the actual <laughs> fandom as proven by the Jersey uh, purchase yeah. uh, riding behind it, too. So we'll have to it see what the Rangers. A- yeah, we'll have to see what they do next, um, especially since it now it seems like. Gerard Gallant is on the the hot seat after this. Like, there's all kinds of uh, recriminations, which will, to be clear, will pale in comparison to the recriminations that will happen to the Leafs. Just to bring it back to them, uh, based yeah. on um, the the next uh, few days, but we could get to that later. Yeah, I think that the hot seat 
I think it's always good for a coach to be in the hot seat occasionally. You don't want somebody feeling too too good. I felt pretty good about the past couple of years, honestly, of, of, of his work. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, it does seem like the Rangers, like, it, it's so weird how quickly we forget that they were not in, like, a super great space just a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. I think we talked about them. They had, like, narrowly missed the playoffs or something um, in 2021, uh, which was the second season of Couple of Goons. It's tough to – or was that season one? I don't remember. I believe that was anyway. season one. Yeah. Oh, season one. Right. Um, so, like, that was the place they were in, and they got rid of David Quinn as coach, and they brought in Gallant. And then they went, like, they almost went to the finals last year. Um, and, and this year had a – fine season i think that's a characterization yeah. that you could you could apply to it didn't go as deep into the playoffs as they would have wanted obviously losing to the hated rival devils does not help but you know overall i would say more good things happen for the rangers than bad things but man you talked about oh it's good for coaches to be on the hot seat well based on what we know about the life expectancy of a coach in uh you know in their job in the NHL <laughs> every coach is always on the hot seat all the time <laughs> like I you could be fired that. as a coach at literally any moment no matter <laughs> what you've done and no matter like what happens and that's like okay that's a choice i guess yeah as a I sport mean, I- as long as that's the social contract, I would say like, do you want to like, I mean, like we can move on from the Rangers shortly, but since it's the end of the season, I feel like we should have a, a single farewell. But I think like genuinely the thing that has made me the most nervous over the course of being a Rangers fan is that like they did really well last year and they did really well. And like, there was this really good article in Sportico basically about like what playoffs mean in different leagues, because lots of leagues are a little bit more socialist about it and tend to spread the wealth around. Whereas some leagues like, you make a ton of money. Like you, you can get, like, I think the Rangers made $20 million last year based strictly on ticket sales and, and what they did um, domestically, like rather at, at, at of home base uh, during the playoffs. And that's a phenomenal amount of money. And for me, the problem is the more times that the Rangers spontaneously produce a lot of money for James Dolan, the more attention that he will start paying to them. And the more attention that James Dolan starts paying for them, you're nodding, Neil. You see where I'm going with this is bad for the Rangers. And so like, this I is, think the, this is what we call the Knicks effect. No, no, don't even speak that in the world because I don't want, I don't want that. I don't want the K word getting near my team. That's exactly <laughs> what, no, that's the, the whole silent thing. K. The, the silent thing, the silent K word. But no, like, that's the problem, Neil. Like, I want, like, them to be really good and then go all the way and then just fuck off for two years. And that, like, just, I would love that process because that would keep them in a zone of of Dolan doesn't give a shit about th- the, the, the stadium when there's an ice on the ground. And that's okay. And so, I don't know. I've been, like, a little worried that, like, their continued success over the past couple of years is, like, potentially putting them in uh, the Dolan kill zone. And I, I, I was much more enjoying this sport when it was very unambiguously outside of the Dolan kill zone. And now I'm deeply worried about the future of this franchise. Well, uh, you know, the, the one thing that you have working for you, though, is that the Knicks themselves are actually going deeper into the playoffs than the Rangers. And so if you could actually keep that dynamic in sort of equilibrium, then the odds of him turning his attention away from the Knicks uh you know, is, is minimal. I think that's sort of the best case. So you lucked into the situation where actually 
for the first time, you know, and like ever, the Knicks are actually like good and relevant and might go deep into the playoffs, depending on how they do yeah, in this heat series. Of course, they're going to lose eventually. It's going to be fine, whatever. But like, I think the important thing is that they are basically Aragorn at the Black Gate. And and my, my, my Rangers are attempting to escape the withering eye of, of, of Sauron. Oh, totally. Yeah. Sauron, big Sauron vibes. Yeah. So like, from you know. JD you- and the straight shot. <laughs> like if Sauron had a vanity band. <laughs> Sauron. That's all that we need. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Sauron, famously good at the music of the Ainur. Like, go on. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's it is. Uh, it's always tough when your team loses, though. So um, I, I do think, and we got a lot of team, uh, a lot of like big fan bases and prominent teams that are in that group. Where like we haven't had a chance to talk about the Boston Bruins okay. blowing a three-one lead. Thanks. Segway directly into this. That was the funniest thing that I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is like, wow. You know, I feel like the Bruins were always sort of the, like, I don't know, forgotten child of the Boston, like, sports megalith, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, with like, okay, the Patriots obviously were dominating. The Red Sox would win randomly every few years. Uh, even the Celtics, like, I guess the Celtics uh, ha- had gone longer without a championship, but they went to the finals last year uh and so the bruins are always like hey guys you know we are in the boston sports group uh llc but uh, we also like haven't won the championship since 2011 and we've arguably probably should have won a bunch of times in in between so on that sense it's like uh, you know that fan base tough to feel sorry for but at the same time it's like wow that group that core group of players you know they they let a a really great chance slipped through their fingers. And I don't know if there's a curse, like all these people talking about the curse of the president's trophy. I think we've talked Never about it a lot. I got, I got like, I got a text that night that was just like, curses are real. And like, <laughs> I actually wasn't watching that game. So I was like, what the fuck is that? And then I checked and I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> oh, it's insane. I like the fact that it happened uh, at all. And just the way that it happened. Um, there, there's conspiracy theorists who are talking about the fact that the graphics uh, said goal before Florida scored. And they're like, this was scripted. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, how, how did they not win that? And, and especially after this, um, this all time season, it is making me kind of think like, okay, it's kind of weird that the teams that have the, I think at least the three most wins in a season, if not more in NHL history, they haven't won the cup. We know that the Lightning lost in the first round, got swept in 2019. And now uh, the Bruins lost in the first round, too. It's like, it's just weird. And I think it probably speaks to something that us as like number crunchers fucking hate, but probably (laughs) is true, which is this concept of like the regular season has nothing to do, no bearing on the playoffs. And so all those sample sizes that like, you know, we crunch and we, we analyze and all that stuff during the the months leading up to the playoffs. You're telling me I have to throw all of those out because it's a <laughs> different game. Uh, it hurts to do that, but on the same, uh, at the same time, it's like, uh, you know, there's probably something to that. And then you get into Florida, which also made me look bad because I said, last off season or, you know, going into this season, I was like, well, this is a team that, Lost in the first, uh, no, second round of the playoffs, but got swept horribly by the Lightning. And they totally changed the makeup of their team. They made the big Matthew Kachuk trade. They got rid of 
uh, Huberto and Mackenzie Weger and all those guys and basically blew up their team to add toughness. And I said, well, that's always the lesson that these teams learn when they get upset in the playoffs. <laughs> And it's always a mistake and they always, you know, uh, regret it. And that was looking pretty good also during the regular season because Florida didn't really get clicking for a while. And if not for the Penguins collapsing down the stretch of the season, they wouldn't have made the playoffs at all. Yet here we go. They're in the playoffs. They come back from down 3-1. They out-tough the Bruins. Matthew Kachuk has a huge series. And then now even going into the Toronto series, it's looking like this is a big W for that mindset of you got to get the you know Gordie Howe clone that you can get uh, uh, and and Matthew Kachuk kind of fits that bill as well as anybody in the game right now and that's all we need and then you know as long as we're just out toughing the competition we can go deeper in the playoffs it's like I don't know I mean you're not proving me wrong here I mean you are proving me wrong you're not you're not proving me right here yeah yeah it's uh that is funny I mean it's just like it, it is like because you know like we both study a lot of like probability and like you know you have to ask also like in a given game like what's the odd going into odds going into it that the best team in the playoffs versus the worst team in the playoffs like it is probably just like you know yeah there's a 60 70 percent chance that they win that game and like you know you can get a you can get four bad coin flips on that on that particular way to dice especially in hockey like the favorites in any given hockey game don't have that high of an odds compared to other sports like forget about the nba or the nfl you know, it's going to be a lot more tightly compacted uh, between the best and the worst teams, especially like we're saying best and worst, best and worst in the playoffs. So it's like already a pretty good team, you know, even at worst. So maybe that's it. And shit just happens sometimes. But that is not a satisfactory answer for all those uh, uh, those Bruin fans who are super mad and like throwing their Dunkin Donuts at the TV screen (laughs) this past week. I will say, I feel like the only, like, and we can talk more about what else, but, like, it was the Bruins, you, your team, the Avalanche, the one that, that you constantly come back to, they're gone. Like, the Kings, gone. LA. Like, they it's lost just, the it's, Kraken. Which is nuts. Like, that's awesome. I, mean, I kind of love Second it. I don't know. I, oh, that one was one that I saw coming a little bit more, um, just in the sense, we may have talked about it, that, like, Seattle was better than maybe their record uh, made them look. And they had like a pretty good goal differential and they just, everything kind of clicked for them this year, the way that we thought it would click for them last year, but didn't. So I didn't have a huge amount of trouble seeing that happen, especially since Colorado, they just continue to be injured. They had really not that much depth. It just wasn't quite the same level all year long for this team as it had last year. So like, it was kind of the logical way that their season was going to end. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I enjoy that they like, cause I kind of felt bad for the Kraken that like, they obviously had a lot of like hype going into it because of the Vegas experience. And like, Thanks, I just feel Vegas. bad that it was, yeah. And, and, but it is nice that like, yeah, no, they like got a really solid run. They dispatched the, the chant. Like it's it just like, it's a pretty good like sophomore season then that they were able to get to kind of get together. And I think, does kind of justify a lot of the choices that they made and probably makes the folks who were involved last year feel a little bit better about how last year went in in the long scheme of things. Yeah, now we have, um, you know, in the Western Conference, half of the teams in the playoffs still active are teams that have been added to the league since 2018. So that's uh. kind of cool, or since 2017-18. Um, so, you know, I don't know what's going to happen from here and we can get into the matchups uh, a little later, but I mean, that is cool. Like this validates 
what we've said about the the current mindset that the NHL has, and I think other teams, if they expand, are going to have as well, which is it's a good idea to have your new team and new fan base be good right away. Pretty quick. Like you yeah, don't yeah, want to yeah. have like in the past, they always banished the new teams and new fan bases to just being horrible for like a long time. And that makes no sense. If you're trying to build like excitement in a new place and market the game in a new place, like why would you want to just completely nuke the possibility of building a fan base after you've added this new team? It makes way more sense to rig the rules. I mean, the other teams are probably not super happy about it, but rig the rules so that it's easier for teams to compete right away. And you're like seeing that, you know, with, with both Vegas, their ongoing success and then Seattle now. It is like, yeah, you know, that is an interesting point. Cause like it, I always like, I'm always kind of fascinated by like European soccer and like the promotion and relegation element of it. Cause it's just like, that seems like a wild thing for a fan base to like, you go from like winning everything to them being objectively the worst team in your new league. And like, I think that that like is, is comforting to people just because it is like, well, you did get a big win. And so like, as a result, they're able to kind of manage expectations in, in towns that are suddenly in the big leagues again. And like, I think that like, it is good to really give them a, a big solid push. It seems because, because the, the, you know, the golden Knights fans are ravenous, which is interesting for a town that before them did not have a professional sports team. Right. And now they're going to have the A's as well. They've added a bunch of teams. It was sort of the, the NHL predicted the rise of Vegas sports, which, you know, is, is certainly its own very 2020s trend, I think. Uh, but, you know, yeah, their their fan base has proven, you know, way, uh, way beyond the wildest expectations, I think, that people had about them as a sports town going in. Because I think the, a lot of the sense was like, well... Are, are there people that are like going to be rabid fans in, in that place? It's a place unlike any other in the whole country. And, you know, are you going to have to rely on tourists coming to games? Like what's going to happen there? But that place is always packed. It's always hopping. They always have like, you know, a great, um, a great scene going on. Yeah. And it doesn't seem to have been mitigated at all by the presence of the Raiders. I think that they're two different kind of animals, two different kind of fan bases. Yeah, in different times, you know, in which they're sort of having their most important games. Um, I wonder yes. how the A's are gonna uh, gonna do there. I mean, I'm sure they're gonna do fine. I feel bad for Oakland though, because they're they're on I'm, the other side of that equation. I'm completely rooting for the A's to fail. I I, I kind of hate it when that happens. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'm not happy about it either. I don't think, but I just don't think it will fail. Like we've seen so many cases of um, the the relocated teams doing well in a, a, like I think about the Raiders are a great example. Like they, they left Oakland and they've, you know, been at least a playoff, a team in the playoff mix uh, frequently since then. Yeah. Um, so any, anything that looking back that you want to kind of go into, I know again, like a lot of teams with pretty big national fan bases went down, including the Kings, the lightnings, the Islanders, you know, obviously that New York is, is kind of out now. It's New Jersey representing. The, uh, you still the, got the devils. Yeah. You know, yeah. let that, let that count as much as you want to. I don't know. I think uh, Tampa Bay going out, you know, this is a team that had gone to the finals each of the previous three years, one, two of them. Uh, Toronto finally getting their win over Tampa Bay. Uh, that was kind of cool to see. I don't have anything against the Lightning. Um, uh, and, and it's kind of a tough draw, as we mentioned previously in, in earlier episodes, that those two, one of those two teams had to lose. Uh, but at the same time, good for Toronto. And then immediately they're turning around and just doing the most Leafs thing possible against Florida. 
wow. I mean, it's exciting. It, it's very funny. I'm not going to lie. We can get more to it later. But I, uh, Oh, the one thing that you had a really good post, I think, about the playoffs and like how it had a lot of upsets. And I think you had an upset percentage number, and this is just off the dome of like 37.5% upset. Yeah, that's correct. Mm-hmm. What is that? Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because I thought that was an interesting statistic. Yeah, that was just based on uh, – I didn't even have like a full like pre-series win probability for like previous um, – years or whatever i just did it based on who had like the pre-series elo ratings of the two teams so irrespective of home ice but generally home ice would be correlated with having the higher rating anyway uh yeah of how often did the team with the lower elo rating before game one go on to win the series and you know there were some pretty wild years in there in the sample i think um was uh what was the one uh one of the years had it was 2019 had an upset rate of like almost 80 percent which is crazy that was the year that um you know the lightning got swept by columbus after setting the wins record but then also the number one seeds in like both conferences lost and uh there was just this crazy amount of upsets so that's kind of your benchmark that you're comparing to this year wasn't quite as high as that but the great thing was that only last year since the lockout at least uh, did the average first round series go more games in terms of like length that of was a series? Good stat. I like that stat a lot. It was like six seven five or six twenty. Yeah, something 625. like that. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Which yeah. um, uh, is is unusually long, and we're seeing a trend toward you know the past couple of years of these like longer first round series. And so I don't know if that's like a consequence of the silly divisional based uh, seating system that they have or anything like that. But it does seem to be good for the league because it is, it was a very exciting first round of the playoffs and you got what I thought was like a perfect mix of like some upsets, but not too many. So it doesn't feel like it's like totally just random and meaningless. And even the series that went the way that we thought they would, the, the two teams went deep into the series. So that to me, that's like a great recipe for um, keeping people interested and, and engaged with the product. It's been on. And again, like this is obviously just a like complete, like, you know, observational thing, anecdotal thing, not database, but like I'm seeing it on in more bars than I did five years ago. And that could obviously yeah. just be like, I'm noticing it now, but I'm also seeing more folks engaged with it. I think that's an ESPN like, thing. I, I think, think it's in totally some, an ESPN yeah, thing. the fact that it's on, you know, it used to be on our beloved NBC Sports Network or whatever. Okay. Where are the where are Meekum where are the Meekum car auctions? I, I can't find them. I can't get they, my fix. They probably took them down. You know, with oh, with, with no lead in from a major sport, they were like, we we have to cancel this. We're sorry. Well, the, I rating, I, I mean, the ratings just aren't there. I mean, I, my understanding was that the Meekum car auctions were the draw and that everything else oh, was Oh, I'm sorry. Teased. So NHL was actually trying to uh, piggyback off of the success of the car auctions. That actually probably makes more sense given the NBC Sports Network uh, the way they were. But yeah, so I do think having it on ESPN has given it a lot more um, you know, publicity that I think is really positive for the league and then you, you can kind of lean into like when the product is good and it's been a high scoring playoffs too i feel like that's also i don't have the number on like how that ranks or whatever but i feel like there's just been a ton of goals in these games like look at the 
you know, the last games of the Boston Florida series, it was, uh, you know, one of the games was what seven to six or something. Uh, and then, uh, they went into overtime, uh, and they, they each scored a bunch of goals in the last one too. It was four, three in the, okay. So it's seven, five in game six and, uh, four, three in game seven. I mean, these are like good scores that you're getting, you know, you're getting a lot of, uh, goals in these playoffs. So I don't, know what that means necessarily it's kind of a continuation of the trend of lots of goal scoring historically speaking over the past handful of seasons anyway but the playoffs are supposed to be where teams tighten up on defense but that hasn't been the case so far oh good for the league um bad i guess for goalies wanna, bad for goalies i mean rough time for goalies uh do you want to talk about second round it's been interesting so far i guess leafs are the most obvious thing to talk about because what a what a you know, whiplash. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, you know, where, where do we, where do we even begin with this series so far? And the fact that in each of those games, Toronto, you know, they didn't ever lead game one, but they were tied um, in the second period, and then they gave up um, a quick goal after they had tied the game that that was ultimately the game winning goal. This is in game one, and then in game two, they had a two nothing lead. Uh, you know, about halfway through the first period, then um, they give up a goal. But then in the second period, they give up two goals within like a minute of the second period starting. And uh, that was the end of the game. You know, that was again, that the, they were unable to score. So I don't know what you do with this as they go back to Florida. I'm sure, you know, as the time people are listening to this, they'll have a little more information around what happens <laughs> in this. And I wouldn't be shocked to see Toronto kind of, you know, storm back, bounce back in the series to a certain extent. Uh, they are out shooting um, Florida in the series 73 to 57. Now, some of that is an artifact of being down uh, in the games, uh, you know, with some frequency. But at the same time, you know, they are on some level playing not like you would expect a team to be in this like horrible hole. And yet at the same time, they're uh, they're not closing out games. They're not they're not protecting leads. They're not scoring to kind of put the pressure on the other team. Um, and uh, Sam Sanov has a really bad save percentage. It's it's just all the Leafs like nightmares kind of coming true against a team that during the regular season was just like not on the same level as the Leafs. That's what I'm so shocked about. Is it, it is mind boggling that last year Florida they won the President's Trophy. They had a record setting offense or one of the top like handful 15 or so offenses of all time relative to league didn't win anything like barely won their first round series and then got run off the ice by the lightning (laughs) this same team turns around and has a way worse regular season and doesn't look like they've you know figured anything out how is this going to be the team the florida team that goes deeper into the playoffs it just makes no sense it does it it boggles you know like uh it's I was very surprised to see them still in this. There, given many of the teams that did not that are not in this anymore, you know. Yeah, and and especially to beat a team like the Leafs, who, you know, Lord knows we've been picking them, jumping on the bandwagon for them, waiting for them to do something, anything for a yeah. long time. They finally actually do win that first round series for the first time since uh, 2004. Was it? Was that the last time previously they'd gotten out of the first round? I think that's right. Um, you would think 
okay, we got ourselves a little like team of destiny situation going on where, uh, how, how are you going to survive that first round and advance only to then lose to Florida in the next round? I mean, that is a very Leafs like way to do it, but you would yeah. think like, and they just keep coming up with new different ways to be <laughs> the Leafs. <laughs> That's all you can say about them. That's really funny. Yeah, I think um, that is definitely like it's it's always like, you know, I think the Mets are very good at that, too. Like there's there's yeah. teams that are just really good at like, you know, figure out new and exciting ways to break the people who love them. Yes. And uh, yeah, that's a great parallel. You know, I always thought of Leafs as the Knicks of hockey, but I do think they're also the Mets of hockey in some way of like, you know, major team. Big fan base, always, you know, high payroll, big stars, and they just lead the league in cruelty toward a fan base. I don't understand <laughs> how, like, how is it that the same teams, and maybe it does come down to ownership, you know, in, uh, at the end of the day, um, but just the same teams seem to have just this ability to torture fan bases. Yeah, I mean, both of them won, both the Mets and the Leafs won I think in the sixties and then the Mets won like one in the eighties. Right. They so it's did. actually it probably it, the Mets have had an easier time than the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's exciting. Oh, well every team, I mean, literally every team has had more success. Uh, unless maybe you're talking about like a few expansion teams, uh, recent expansion teams. I'm talking about in any sport have had more uh, success and a better time of things since the sixties than the Leafs. <laughs> They're the only original six team that hasn't won uh, the Stanley Cup since the original six era ended. Right. Oh, man. that's. Let's keep that's talking about this. I'm sure right? the listeners are really going to enjoy this. <laughs> um, Except for the Toronto-based one. So, yeah, we can, we can move yeah. on. But I will say that, you know, that already – if you just look at the 538 uh, model, which I'm still using as long as it still works, we don't have to talk about <laughs> uh, the other things that happened there. But anyway, no, of course that uh, we still uh, they still have the Leafs. Uh, they or they already have the Leafs at only 19 percent to win that series, and the Panthers at 81 percent, just two games in. So it's not even a case of like, well, we're in a 2-0 hole, but we still have like a shot at it. It's like you're gonna have to pull a comeback. You're gonna have to really pull yeah. like a. Um, uh, uh, what the basically due to the Panthers, what the Panthers did to the Bruins uh, <laughs> last round, and I don't know if the Leafs had that in them. Maybe they do. I don't know anymore, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even knows I mean, anymore. they do have a chance to do the funniest possible thing, which is just zero and four out of uh, of the second yes. round after triumphantly no, be, busting a the funniest that thing that the, they could possibly. That do. would be the funny. That would maximize humor. So maybe we're we're judging them on like we thought they were maximizing wins or trying to nope. and failing. But they're actually maximizing humor. And you have to say, God. good for them. Like, they'll actually be opening at, um, you know, they'll be at the Comedy Cellar next week uh, <laughs> with, with their new material. Um, yeah, if, um, all right. If, so if, let's move on and talk about your please. team, which, by which I mean the Carolina Hurricanes, the team you picked to win the Cup, not yep. your actual team. Who which actually beat, uh, lost your actual to your actual team in the playoffs last year? But we don't have to talk about that either. But we yeah, don't have to. They, no, we don't. They came out and uh, they beat the seemingly unbeatable, based on the Rangers' performance against them, Devils in the first game of that series, five to one, and really solidified themselves at least in the Elo model, which. 
I kind of picked, I picked the devils to win the series, just full disclosure. Um, uh-huh. But the Canes right now uh, are the, the leaders in the Stanley cup probability at 25% ahead of the golden Knights and the Oilers. Um, that that's kind of interesting. That's exciting. I mean, first of all, rude. Uh, second of all, <clears throat> yeah, that, that win was really dominant against um, the devils. And I think that, I mean, did the Canes have a rest day that the Devils didn't, which could have been one potential contributor? I'm trying to remember, because they won it in six, right? Their first round? Yeah, the Devils had to turn around and play. Um, They had one day of rest between those two series, and then they had to turn around and play, whereas um, the Carolina had had not played in, I want to say, five or six days before game one. So there could be like a, you know, freshness factor going on there for sure but i think the yeah. hurricanes are also just better i don't know they're a really good team again like they're the hockey game that i had a chance to see in prison this year uh and had a really good time at so i don't That's know right. i think you wore a whaler's uh, hat i wore a whaler's hat i bought a whaler's hat and i still possess a whaler's hat that's good that, you're absolutely right <laughs> like um but yeah no i mean like they're a great team there's a reason that i like am somewhat fond of them like i, I think that they uh you know are a great squad and potentially I like those odds. That sounds like the right amount of odds to, to win the cup. Yeah. And uh, you know, the, the factor in that matchup, which might end up uh, proving decisive was just that Carolina, we, uh, when, you know, if you look at like shots allowed or goals above replacement or anything on defense, they were the best defensive team in hockey during the regular season. And then they only allowed 18 shots against New Jersey, which New Jersey is like a high powered offensive team. They're like, you know, uh, they're, they're like a fast break team, you know, like uh, know. Show t- the showtime. I, I, I was there. I know. I know <laughs> the sh- that they're really good at that. And I know that it's, it's very hard. Ho- it's Neil. It's very hard to, it, I know. Okay, go on. So you would know then that it's actually pretty impressive that Carolina was able to um, swallow that up and and sort of shut them down on their fast-breaking tendencies. I'm really impressed by it. (laughs) (laughs) See, there's a reason why you're all in on the Hurricanes the whole season. See, it was just a... Secretly, you were you were really rooting for the Rangers to lose to them, so uh, to the Devils. So then the Devils could end up, uh, you know, not doing well against Carolina, therefore making Carolina look better. You're <laughs> the playing tangled, like 4D chess. The tangles knots that we weave to make offhand remarks that we made six weeks ago work is is never not be the funniest. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. So I think um, you know if Carolina's defense proves to be the decisive factor, that could be really. Um, you know, prove them to be the, the, the Stanley cup favorites. And so we'll see what happens. Only one game down in that series. Um, you know, over in the West, I think uh, the, probably the most interesting matchup I thought, well, d- both are pretty interesting, but I was thinking about Seattle and Dallas because we had seen Seattle come off that upset over uh, Colorado and look really good in the process of doing that. Uh, really took out the champs, um, you know, in in impressive fashion and dallas is a team that i had been on the bandwagon we talked about them many times this season they're kind of like my avalanche uh, of this year yeah you brought them up constantly and i was always just like get a load of this guy looking at dallas (laughs) team the hell is going on they can't play hockey in texas (laughs) no um it's ridiculous but you know that's why i was surprised to see seattle win game one of that series 
even though Joe Pavelski scored four goals. So he had a really weird uh, circumstance in the first couple games of the second round where Joe Pavelski scored four goals for Dallas and they lost. Leon Dreisaitl scored four goals for the Oilers and they lost. That was actually the first time in NHL history, regular season or playoffs, where players scored four goals on back-to-back nights and both of their teams lost, even though they scored four goals. So the P- Pavelski was, um, he wasn't even sure. We weren't even sure if he was going to play. And he comes out, scores four, they lose. But then they turn around and win in game two. Now we kind of reset things coming back uh, to Seattle. And I still think Dallas is going to win. They're the better team, in my opinion. Um, but Seattle, given how they've shown that they can pull off upsets of, over better teams, I'm not counting them out by any stretch. I like how that you, he managed to put up a like tungsten puck Odoisky game, which is the <laughs> tungsten arm Doyle version of it, where like you have a an amazing performance that hasn't been matched in decades, and your team still loses. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Shohei Otani yeah. <laughs> stat always. Yeah, but uh, I don't know that. Uh, it, it really just depends on the goaltending because I think Jake Ottinger had a pretty rough first game in that series. It's fair to say. And Grubauer, man, we got to talk about Philip Grubauer because yeah. he was our guy that we, you know, had been fans of in that first season of couple of goons when he was with Colorado. Very true. Yeah. And then we were like, why'd they let him go? And then he went to Seattle and was really bad in two regular seasons with him. And we're like, that's why they let him go. And then he gets his revenge over Colorado in the first round of these playoffs and, uh, you know, sort of keeps them in that first game, less so in the second game. So, you know, like so much that that happens in playoff hockey, it is really just about the goaltending and about whether your guy is is the right hot goalie uh, of the moment. And I thought Ottinger might be that as well. Um, but it's you know it's been all over the place maybe the true answer or at least seemed like it for a while was the guy in new jersey akira schmidt but um not in that first game against carolina so we don't know who the hot goalie is yet but i always say that if you want to know who's going to win the cup and this is like such ex post facto reasoning (laughs) bullshit (laughs) but basically it's like if you want to know who won the cup just find the hot goalie and yep. follow the hot goalie. Whoever the hot goalie is, that, that their team will win the cup. But it's like, okay, chicken or egg type of situation. I don't know. Yeah, that's. I mean, listen, you don't have to tell me twice. Like, I'll find that hot goalie. That's fine. But uh, <laughs> all hockey players are hot. We've said that they, you know, they do have the highest himbo quotient of any hundred um, percent of any league. So it is yep. actually sort of hard. It's like a where's Waldo type of situation finding the hot goalie. It's it's an amuse bouche of choices to use the to uh, the Montreal Canadiens word, but um, yeah, so. they're not in the playoffs. <laughs> That's fine. Their 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 language is is terrific. It sounds much better than the Russian word for buffet. So, oh gosh, uh, uh, what else we got? Any anything that you're looking forward to? I know that you know uh, it was a nice well, little check in, and we wanted to. Well, kind we of didn't reset. talk about Vegas. Uh, we barely talked about Vegas and Edmonton, which um, is the other one where you know before the second round started, we were saying, at least based on the odds, that like, hey, Canada has a pretty decent shot of breaking the Stanley Cup drought uh, and that we might even get Leafs versus Oilers. That is looking less likely now. <laughs> now that it's a little less likely. <laughs> now that we have the, uh, you know, the Leafs, look, I'm, I'm not 
I'm not upset. I'm just disappointed when it comes to them only having a 9% chance to make the final. But the Oilers were supposed to be better than this. Uh, they now are down one game, but only have a 40% chance of moving on in the ELO odds. I think ELO, you know, the, the Golden Knights, we talked about this before the playoffs of it's like really tough to figure out how good they are. Uh, and they were missing some guys during the regular season for sure. Their goaltending remains kind of a mess, you know, in terms of all the injuries and uh, uh, whatnot. They're, they're going with Laurent Brassois, another French uh, name for you uh, in that. And he's been like, Fine, I guess. Mark Stone coming back has been good for them. Uh, you know, Jack Eichel is still Jack Eichel, all that stuff. But, you know, I just I never got the vibe from them all season that they were as good as they were, as we were used to seeing them being when they went to the final. And then they were one of the top teams during the COVID season and all that stuff. And so uh, it's it is a little surprising to see them, you know, get the first strike against Edmonton. I'm sure we have not seen the last of the Oilers and their offense. It's just a question of what they can do on defense and, and goaltending. And I don't know if they can do enough in those areas. And that's always the the problem with them. But damn it, I would love to see a Connor McDavid uh, <laughs> Stanley Cup final run. How fun would that be? Yeah, I can like I feel like I'm enjoying I'm enjoying this playoffs because, you know, despite the fact that the team that I like the most lost in a devastating fashion to people from fucking New Jersey, I uh, I like a lot of the teams that remain like the Canes. Obviously, I've been up on you've got the two expansion teams that are pretty fun to watch and you always want to root for them. You've got two Canadian teams. That country deserves something just for their many labors, um, especially yeah. after they passed that bill. You know, the other day that's uh, going to curtail the artistic freedom of their Internet creators. Those creators deserve something before their their work goes dark they at the do. behest of a government, um, you know, overreach. They do. And, and yeah, I think that like there's a pretty good chance that the team that represents the West, the West in the Stanley Cup is from Canada or is or is Seattle. And right. Which like, is Canada adjacent. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, Canada, uh, Seattle, and then, yeah. So, I mean, like, actually, odds Dallas are Dallas that... is the one that's the, the odd man out in there. Yeah. There, you so... can't spin it as being Dallas close to Canada. No, you can't. I mean, the Golden Knights are, you know, a lot of Canadians go to Vegas all the time, I think. But you know, I think, it, you know, I'm I'm decently content with, again, the exception of uh, everything that happened last week. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been fun so far. And, you know, it's, uh, we're kind of podcasting at an awkward moment in the series. So we'll have to um, kind of circle back to it later on uh, when we when we know more about what happened. Because right now, all we can really say is that it does look like the Leafs are, you know, just embarrassing themselves. But we could have actually said that, like, if we had podcasted, you know, with no knowledge of the playoffs whatsoever and just made that prediction. Yeah. We we knew we would be right about that. So I just cannot get over them giving up those goals in quick succession uh, against Florida last night. You know, I'm really invested in this Leafs team, too. You know, you would not think that I that I would be. But, um, you know, I've, I, I would say that is my uh, my rooting interest and it is not going well. So, you know how that feels. That's what people never seem to get. It's because just because like you and I work with stats and like do that kind of stuff. Like we both believe that curses are real. Uh, we both love teams and I uh, think momentum exists. And we love teams. <laughs> like, we, we fall in love with the team. Like it's fine. Like, yeah. You know, I always thought that that, you know, I know that there's 
certainly the the primary mode of acquiring fandom for most people is like where they grew up or their family or, you know, all that stuff. But I do think there's something to be said for the sort of situational fandom of like, you like a group of guys that happen to be on a particular roster at a given time and you get invested in following them and feel like you're in the ground floor when, when you start rooting for them and then they start winning and you can kind of follow them uh, over, over the period of time. And it, is like totally independent of geography. It's totally independent of yeah. like history or whatever. It's just like, I like these specific guys on this current team. I'm not going to root for this team, you know, 10 years from now when it's like a different group of guys. Cause they're not my guys. These yeah. are my guys. That's- I, I think that's an underrated uh, rationale for being a fan uh, of a particular group. Isn't that like, you know, Jerry Seinfeld used to always have that bit about like, you're really just rooting for laundry. If you root for a team, <laughs> you know, a particular team. But this is sort of the antithesis of that. This is like coming to a fandom because not because of the laundry. The laundry is incidental. They just all happen to be wearing it. But you like the guys who are wearing the laundry. This is what I call the anime theory of sports fandom, where you get really into a team just because the anime is about them rather than I don't have to live in uh, in Japan to root for the Japanese <laughs> skater. I don't have to live in, in, in the exact location to root for the uh, the crows like uh, in, in the volleyball game. Like you just like you get really into it with a group of the folks and then, you know, maybe you move on eventually. But like, it, you know, you don't yeah, have once to. Once the arc is over, exactly. you can kind of uh, move on. But you really was... want to see the arc play out. Like once they recast the voice cast and start trying to break it up and all that kind of stuff, you know, you move on to a new one, maybe the basketball one that everyone tells you about. But mm. um, yeah, I mean, I think that that is a fairly fine way to enjoy fandom within, uh, you know, the world. I, I think that you're right. It is laundry. <laughs> like, Yeah. At the end of the day. But, you know, the downside of that, though, is when the team that that, you know, you don't even get to say like, oh, I'm a long suffering Leafs fan. Definitely not. Uh, uh, when they lose. So you can't commiserate on that level like the laundry wearers can. You're just yeah. like, well, this group of guys just didn't get it done. You know? Yeah. There was a good post in The Ringer. You just mentioned Seinfeld, and I was just like, there was this really good post about like how Seinfeld, the show, started out as a Mets show and then very clearly became an extremely Yankee show. Oh, yeah, out. that's right. Yeah. yeah. And like th- that's a good post if people are interested in, in, in a good blog about sports fandom that I enjoyed. Because I think what, it, what, the, what the post basically argues is that like Jerry Seinfeld is a very big Mets fan, but um, Larry David is a big Yankees fan. And so is like so creative control went in one direction. Yeah, but, battle uh, for the soul of the show was yeah. reflected through uh, th- these two teams. I like that exactly. So it was a uh, that, that our was soul a of our show. Uh, yeah, I guess is like power struggle between the Rangers and then just like literally anyone else. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think that our our show's soul is a little bit you know all over the place. I think that we uh, you know yeah because I was fan. all in the Avalanche. Yeah, you know the stars. Uh, the Leafs. I, the you like the Hurricanes. I, like, I do, and it's like a like a major division rival. I don't know. I think that we enjoy the sports. We're, we're aficionados. You we know? just like teams. It's yeah. just like you know, we are like the Rob Lowe wearing the NFL <laughs> Shield hat <laughs> of podcasts. Stop! That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> no. Um. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, I guess uh, just kind of bring it home. Like, uh, what's uh, what's something that you're looking forward to over the next week or two? Uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing uh, how these how these uh, series play out and, you know, who we, who will win the cup because it is so wide open right now. If you do look at that uh, ELO model, there are now five teams 
have between a 13 and 25% chance to win the cup. And then there's three more teams that have like at least a 4% or like a 4 or 5% chance, which is like, okay, we're saying there's a chance, but we are. Uh, so it's like, I can't remember it being quite this wide open aside from maybe the, you know, that, that 2019 season when everything got scrambled. And that's like a different kind of wide open. That's yeah. like a somebody, all the favorites are gone and someone has to win by default type of season and you ended up with the cup nothing it's the blues but the cup was won by a team that was like many games under 500 at like mid-season and had to go on this like crazy run just to make the playoffs god bless that type of season that's that's a cool thing to have happened but at the same time it's like you get a weird champ in a weird year you get a weird champion you get the champion that you deserve for the type Mm -hmm. of weird season you have this is kind of a weird season already in the in the playoffs uh so far because like the bruins the team that we assumed would win all year they gone and so also colorado the defending champs they gone too and so now we're just left with like a bunch of good teams uh, including the Panthers, which I didn't think was true before the playoffs, but I'm I'm wrong. Uh, so that that's kind of a cool landscape. So I'm I'm waiting to see how all that shakes out because you can't make really strong, you can't hold strong opinions in your predictions in this type of environment. You certainly cannot, which is why we make strong predictions every week and then try to figure out how they work moving forward. Um, Neil, <laughs> retconning our predictions here's a since really, 2020. Really interesting question for you. Um, where can people find you? <laughs> yeah, they can't. They cannot find me at 538. I mean, they can still find my old stuff there. Oh, it's uh, all there, yeah. Did you yeah, also spend a lot of the now. past week exporting a lot of things as PDFs? I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I definitely saved a lot of um, zip files of data. Uh, mm. I'll put things that way. Uh, in terms of the archives, I still need to get uh, on on perhaps uh, uh, running, you know, some some spiders through that and uh, downloading. Maybe we can talk off the air about that. But yeah. no, they can find me at uh, neilpain.substack.com. I've been trying to post... With a great deal more frequency now that I have time on my hands uh, over the past you know week plus, and uh, been writing about some hockey when the when the spirit moves me, plus some baseball and you know just about everything else. I think. How about you? Uh, I can be found at Numlock. Where I forget if did we t- was was you guesting on Numlock uh, since the last time that we talked, or was that before? I think it was since we talked about NASCAR. Yeah. We did. It was it was rad, and I think that if you enjoyed this conversation, uh, and you you are even tangentially interested in NASCAR, uh, that was a really cool talk. I will link it in the uh, in the in the show notes, uh, just because it was fun to have you on talking about NASCAR. I, I would it listen was to secretly, you talk about NASCAR more. Well, I was going to say it was secretly a soft pilot for our uh, NASCAR spinoff podcast. <laughs> I uh, yeah, no. So uh, stay tuned. You know, you never know uh, what happens when we have a little bit too much time on our hands over the course of a summer. But <laughs> and we will have that. Well, either it's either that or it's doing our ninety-nine part um, Gretzky retrospective. I think that that is actually genuinely in the cards this year. I know I say that every year so far, but I think that we could do it. <laughs> ninety-nine parts. Each part is thirty seconds long. Tell you what, we are ninety nine percent recorded of it. It's done. It's just, it's just the rights clearance is. Uh, Neil refuses to allow us to use his voice, and we're oh, gonna that's have to too hit. bad. But, I thought maybe ninety nine percent invisible was suing us because only one podcast can have <laughs> ninety nine in the name of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, that's great. 
Anyway, uh, this has been a couple of goons. Thank you for listening. Bye.